Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. I'm Joe Dana, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. Oh, come, let us adore him. We bow our heads now in prayer as we begin our worship. Let your face shine on us, mighty God. Break through the obstacles that keep us from seeing your way. Melt down the barriers that keep us from knowing the embrace of your love. Remove from us the low self-esteem that keeps us from valuing the overwhelming gift of life that you entrust to us. Speak to us here in life-changing accents. Amen. Now as we worship together, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in joyful praise to the glory of God.
Good morning. Today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we will light the candle that represents love, the love of God revealed in his humble appearance as an infant. Listen to the scripture reading from John 3, verses 16 to 17, that reveals the good news of the love of God revealed to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ. Even in the midst of great joy and celebration as we approach Christmas, we know that our lives don't always reflect God's intentions. It is easy to mask the act, uh, our excitement of Christmas by covering up what this time means with activities while good in themselves keep us from taking time to really soak into our lives this amazing gift of God's grace and hope, a baby born in Bethlehem. So please join me in a prayer of confession, followed by a moment of silent reflection. Shall we pray? God of eternity, when the voice of the prophet was silent 
and the faith of your people low. When darkness had obscured light and difference displaced zeal, you saw that the time was right and prepared to send your Son. Forgive us for not heeding the signs. Redeem us from hardened hearts. Yeah. Get us free from fear and faithlessness that we might be ready to welcome him who comes as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the good news. The song does not ever have to end. The joy does not ever have to be forgotten. And the celebration never has to fade because God's grace never stops from surrounding us, loving us, healing us, and making us new every day. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Proclaim our faith and reaffirm it through the Apostles' Creed. Shall we read together? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, let's share a bunch of Merry Christmases with each other today as we greet.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here on our fourth Sunday of Advent. It's hard to believe, but we are at this point where our Christmas week begins. And here at Church of the Palms, it will truly be a Christmas week. And we hope that you'll be a part of all of that. Before I get to that, we would love for you to fill out the friendship pads and uh, notice those folks who are sitting near you. We would love to get as much information from you as possible so that we can be in touch with you when the time comes for us to deliver some uh, news to you, whatever that news may be. Uh, and that's usually good news, so that's good to know. We would love to have you uh, be in touch with us uh, throughout the week, every week. Yes, it is Christmas week, and we have uh, several services uh, planned over the course of this week. Uh, on Tuesday night, we invite you to join us uh, for our longest night service. This is uh, fast becoming a tradition here at Church of the Palms. We provide a time, especially for those who are for whom Christmas is a, a difficult time. Perhaps you've lost someone recently in your life, or there's a time, it's a time where uh, perhaps you're not experiencing all the joys that maybe you're watching others experience. And we'd love to have you join us for a quiet time of reflection and uh, lighting our light against the darkness. So we would love to have you come and join us for that. That's six o'clock this Tuesday evening over in the chapel. It's fast becoming a very popular service here. We would love also to I uh, invite you to come to our Siesta Key Beach service. We're one of the very few churches in America that has a, uh, a Christmas sunset beach service. How's that? And uh, we uh, started this last year, and it was wonderful. And uh, those who came, we just found it to be a really special service. So we'd love to have you join us. Five o'clock on Siesta Key. Look for the balloons when you get into the parking lot. The parking's very different there these days, so just look for those balloons near the parking lot. It's gonna be over near the yellow lifeguard stand, if you know the colors on Siesta Beach, but uh, come and join us for that. It's uh, really gonna be a wonderful experience. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, we have 10,000 Christmas services, so. Um, <laughs> We will be here in the sanctuary at five o'clock for our family service, seven and nine for our traditional candlelight services. And then at 11 o'clock, something new, we'll be having a candlelight communion service here at the sanctuary. So come and join us for any and all those if you so choose. I'll be here for all of them, so why don't you come as well? Um, <laughs> we uh, would love for you to help us out. We, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, providing hospitality to our community. This is one of those times when the church gets to put its best foot forward in front of those who come our way, perhaps just once a year. And so we need some ushers, and we've mentioned this the last couple of weeks, so please uh, see Yoko in the back, and she would be glad to take your name if you'd like to help us out on Christmas Eve or maybe even during the longest night service. Also, uh, we can use some parkers. Uh, we have uh, the special gift of parking ministry, right, Carolyn? Carolyn has a green hat. And you'll get to wear one of those hats uh, on, on uh, Thursday evening to be one of our parking lot attendants. What a great hospitality for people who are rushed to get here to find someone who's going to help them park their car. And we would love for you to help us out with that. And uh, see Carolyn after the service. Uh, just follow the green hat wherever she goes, and she would be glad to sign you up to help us out with that. We are uh, very delighted to know that our uh, Echoes of Generosity, we have been spending the, this uh, past month focusing on that uh, $400,000 that we need to receive this month in uh, giving, and we're grateful to know that we're halfway there, which with two Sundays to go, so we're thankful for that. Uh, but we certainly need to challenge you to be thinking about how you can 
uh, perhaps participate with us, maybe not only get your current, uh, your giving current, but also perhaps if God has blessed you in a significant way this year that you might want to add some contribution to your giving uh, this uh, at the end of this year. And for those of you who don't think Congress does good things, Congress did a wonderful thing for us on Friday. They passed legislation that it provides uh, for IRA rollovers, uh, which are very tax beneficial for those who are 70 and a half and older. And so you might wanna take a look at the paper or call your advisor or whatever, but that's a wonderful way for you to do your year-end contribution as well. And that's about as much as I know about that. So <coughs> and we're delighted to have Zachary Johnson with us this morning leading us in worship. Thank you for your very, very special gifts. Today is sort of a bittersweet day for us because we're also saying goodbye to one of our ministry leaders, Jeff McCauley, who is, this is his last Sunday. And uh, many of you know that Jeff received a new call to a new ministry not too far away from here in Bradenton. And uh, we know that that's just a great sweet spot for him, but that doesn't mean we're not sad for his, uh, on his departure. And Jeff has just touched so many different parts of our life and ministry here. Jeff, come on up. Uh, he has just, uh, you know, not only touched the lives of children and youth, but also has touched the lives of parents, touched your lives and his great gifts of music, as well as his ministry to you. And many of you have had the chance to know and meet Jeff. Jeff's been here for three years. It's far too short for us, though, uh, as we've been telling people, it's twice as long as the average youth director lasts at a church. So, but, uh, <laughs> so, so thanks, for, thanks for enduring the, the, the time with us. But, Jeff, we just wanted you to know of our love and appreciation for you and your ministry with us, and we're going to miss you terribly, but uh, we know that God's got great plans for you, which means God's great, got great plans for us. So wouldn't you say a few words? Thanks, Steve. Uh, like you said, very bittersweet day for me. Uh, lots of emotions running through my head and my heart. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you. You have been an incredible church family. You know, we moved down here from North Carolina, and we knew zero people in Sarasota. And you have just embraced my family as if we were your own. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to also say that I believe that as God has called uh, our family away to a new call, that he is calling someone here that is going to be incredible. But I would really encourage you to be in prayer over that and over that person and pray for that person even though you have no idea who they are uh, but God does and so uh, I believe that when we place our tomorrows in God's hands we have to trust that those tomorrows um, that God will make good of that and so I just want to say thank you uh, for the the life that you have given me over the last three years it's been amazing so thank you so much And one more thing, I'm not giving away a new car, but um, we, do have, we do have somebody that we would like to introduce to you this morning. Uh, Tony Camp, if you could stand up and just wave. Say, everybody say hi, Tony. <laughs> Tony is going to serve as our interim director of student ministries uh, starting January 1st. We felt that it was really important that we had a plan in place because we know that it sometimes takes a while to find the right fit. And Tony is a 20-year youth pastor veteran who has been doing this for a really long time. Uh, recently felt the call to lead his own nonprofit ministry called Family Builders. He's been working with families in the Sarasota area for a while now. But we are so lucky 
to have grabbed this young man to lead our interim period. So uh, Tony will be under the tree with me for a little while after the service. You can come by and say hello to him. So we're excited to have him help with the transition. Yes, I reiterate, you will have the chance to see Jeff and his family out underneath the tree. There'll be a little reception there for them, and you'll have a chance to meet Tony as well. And again, Jeff, all of our blessings to you. Yes, let's continue our worship.
Most loving and gracious God, we praise you, the source of life and all that is good. We give thanks that you are the one who was and is and is to come, and our whole lives are held in your love. We thank you for your grace to us in Jesus' birth. We have walked our Advent journey from hope to peace to joy and now to your love. Be with us this Christmas week and help us live our gratitude for God with us, Emmanuel. In the midst of this grace, we remember the gift of incarnation is all for people, for all people. We pray for people who are in need, live in fear and danger, flee in search of safety and new home, and for those who have not yet received the good news of the gospel and salvation. We pray for Church of the Palms and for all of us as we serve, care, witness, and worship in your holy name. Be with those who need your special healing for illness, presence in grief, and calmness in anxiety. We pray that you will give your mercy of safety for all those who travel this season. Gracious God, we remember those for whom this is the first Christmas without their loved ones. May your love and comfort in the birth of Christ be enough for them. Let them know that you came for them and you love them. Guard those in the military who serve in danger and bring them safely to home, we pray. Be with the missionaries and church leaders who live in your gospel where it is hazard to do so. Now we bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We remember the first Noel, which is God's generosity shown and given to us in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now remembering that, let us respond accordingly, and let us be generous in giving and offering God our hearts, our resources, and our prayers.
Let us pray. Holy Father, you have graciously bestowed upon us your blessings, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In gratitude for your generosity toward us and as faithful disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ, we present to you a small portion of the gifts we have received from your hand. May these, our tithes and offerings, bless your glorious name forever and cause your glory to fill the whole earth. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori. Thanks, Carolyn. You should have wore that hat up there. That is my kind of hat. Wow. I have got to tell you, I did an event at a church somewhere where they had a parking ministry. I felt so loved and so warm and so embraced before I ever got out of my car because of people that were parking. It's, it's an incredible opportunity that we have to open up our arms for visitors and for each other. So if you can do it, it's really important. Good morning. Speaking of important, this is awesome. The energy, T minus five days. Yeah, it's like, whoo, it's so great. And look at our candles. So we started with the hope candle, we went to peace, then we went to joy, and today, love. How are you doing on your chains of love? Did anyone do any act of kindness, any act of love? Sydney, did you do something? Would you like to share it with us? Yeah, what did you do that was so nice? Uh, my brother did it, but I didn't do it. Your brother did it, you didn't do it? No. Yeah. <laughs> Sawyer, she's giving you props. And you get one right now just because you gave your brother that nice compliment in this public place. Excellent. So we still have time to do more acts of love as we get our hearts ready for Christmas. But then I started thinking, today is love and for the week. And I thought, how easy it is to love some but not others. Let me give you an example. Our neighbor across the street just got a brand new puppy. It is a lab, and I can't even tell you how much I wanted to bring it with me today, and they wouldn't let me. But this puppy, holy cow, so easy to love. Oh my gosh, it's so great. Then I started thinking, Davis, my friend, would you stand up for just a second? Look at this face. This is easy to love. So easy easy. Thank you. But then they turn into teenagers, don't they? <laughs> not as easy. I'm telling you, not as easy. A little prickly, not quite as easy. And then I got this flyer from Resurrection House. This is a place that helps homeless people. Their pictures are in this. And I started looking at these faces, and I thought, not as easy to love. You know, they might smell a little bit, their fingernails might be dirty. They maybe don't have all of their teeth because they haven't had good dentistry. But then I read in here and it said, what are your wishes and hopes for the holiday? And one person wrote, to have a nice, safe holiday, to be able to give my mom a Christmas gift. That kind of went right into my heart. That was a good one. How about this one? A life free from hate in our community. Peace. And just one more, what is your wish for others during the holidays? This is their wish for us, for all of us. One person said, just love. 
Live life the way God wants you to. I got to tell you, God opened up my heart to love in a whole new way. So here's your challenge. This week, find someone that's a little hard to love and then do it anyway. So it could be a sister that's like not being the nicest at the moment, love her anyway. It could be that neighbor kid that's kind of annoying. Find a way to show an act of kindness or some love because that's the kind of love God is calling us to have. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, help us, Lord, to love the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the healthy and the unhealthy. Give us your eyes, God, to see. Give us your heart to love everyone. Amen. Oh, and a reminder. Sorry. Parents, pick up right after this worship service. No small group today. All right.
You may be seated. Our journey through the story of God with the theme of preparing the way of the Lord finds us for the first time since September with our focus on a New Testament text. We are making the move to the story of the Gospels come to us from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and today we find ourselves in the first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Hear the word of God. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink even before his birth. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did, not, when he did come out, he could not speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
allow us, O Lord, a moment in which we could hear again your voice speak to us. If by your grace and through your mercy, these words to come would be the vessel of your voice, allow us to have ears to listen that we may encounter once again your word written and the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord. It's an interesting way to start a story there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. If someone was beginning to tell you a story and they began by saying, well, you know, it it all started when an angel appeared. What would you start thinking? The truth is angels are fairly popular these days. Angels are making kind of a big return, especially at Christmas time. We have angels all over the place. Bookstores have sections devoted to angels, flip through the cable channels, and there are angels all fluttering about. I saw a commercial recently advertising lingerie, and there were scantily clad angels fluttering about. (laughs) We have angels in the outfield, angels in our pocket, angels close enough to touch, angels named Clarence and angels named Michael. Three out of every four Americans believe in angels. One half of Americans believe that they have a guardian angel, and one-third of American adults claim to have actually felt the presence of an angel. Angels are doing very well these days. So if someone began their story and said, you know, it all started when an angel appeared, you might think, given the popularity of angels, that they would be like, it would be like them saying to us, well, it all started when the postman delivered the mail. But maybe not. Instead, what we might think when someone began a story that way, that this story is one of those stories that really isn't true. You know, when an angel shows up in a story, well, that's just a little cue that that's a tale. It's a nice, sweet little holiday tale along the lines of Clarence appearing to George Bailey or the spirits appearing to Scrooge on Christmas Eve. When we hear about an angel showing up in a story, we kind of, you know, settle in for a sweet holiday tale. Or if we hear someone start their story by saying, you know, yesterday uh, an angel appeared to me. Well, I'm thinking that most of us might wonder, A, whether the storyteller has gotten a little too worn out by the holidays, or B, has watched a little bit too much television, or C, is on his or her way to a psychotic breakdown. Appearing angels, as much as we might like them on the tube or on the pages of our favorite literature, appearing angels showing up in the middle of our days, in the middle of our lives, well, that might be a little bit too much. Several years ago, I was up visiting my ailing father who had taken a turn for the worse over Thanksgiving, and my stepmother and I were trying to fix a little Thanksgiving dinner, more my stepmother than me, a little Thanksgiving dinner for the three of us to eat in their kitchen. They had a floor plan, like many Florida homes, where the living room and the dining room and the kitchen are pretty much the same room. And so we were busy at the sink and stove when suddenly I looked over into the living room and there stood a being, a strange being, a strange man I had never seen before. I said, hello. 
My stepmother, who heard me say hello, looked over, and you could see on the expression on her face that this is a man she had never seen before. She said hello. The man said hello back. And for about five seconds, the three of us stood staring at each other, wondering what this visitation was about. Now, at this point, the story could go a couple of different ways. I could go on to tell you that the strange being was the angel Gabriel, who had a special message from heaven for us. And that might cause many of you to gather your things and make for the door. <laughs> or I could explain it another way, which is how it really happened, that this strange man in our living room turned out to be the son-in-law of a neighbor and had gotten the wrong number to the house he was visiting for Thanksgiving. And lo and behold, he ended up in our living room. So you can stay for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. Lily Tomlin once queried, why is it that when we talk to God, we are said to be praying, but when God talks to us, we're said to be having a nervous breakdown? But it's how the story of Jesus begins by both the accounts of Matthew and, Mar Matthew and Luke. An angel appears. And we who are of the biblical sort know that when angels appear in the Bible, they are a long ways away from the ones we see on the screen and in our stories. The angel of scripture are heavenly beings who when they visit us mortal souls tend to terrify us, turn our world upside down, ask the impossible, bring bad news sometimes, surprise the dickens out of us, handicap us, and most of all, never leave us the same. In fact, if your life has not been inalterably changed, then you probably have not been visited by an angel. So Luke begins his story, his gospel, by telling us about a friend that he, that he shares with his friend named Theophilus, and he begins by telling us the story about an old man named Zechariah who is married to an old woman named Elizabeth, both of whom have lived very righteous lives. They have lived very righteous lives, and yet they have this little empty spot in their lives. You know, righteousness does not guarantee fulfillment. They have this empty spot, Zechariah and Elizabeth, in their lives they have not been able to have children. The story of Jesus, you see, begins with an empty spot. Most Bible stories really begin with empty spots. That's why we find the Bible so true. We can relate to its characters. These, these people are real. They have empty spots like you and I have empty spots. A, a lack of something, a lack of money, a lack of health, a lack of spouse, a lack of children, a lack of success, a lack of family harmony, a lack of friends who doesn't have some sort of empty spot in their life. Zechariah and Elizabeth have an empty spot. That's how the story starts. And what we learn is that Zechariah is a priest and his lot, the lot falls to him to perform the most sacred of all duties, to enter into the Holy of Holies and offer prayers on behalf of all the people. And it's in the Holy of Holies where Zechariah receives the visit of an angel. And this very holy man, this very religious man, when he receives this visit from an angel, is scared out of his mind. It is the angel who tells them that 
the very empty spot that he has given, all, all, given up all hope for, that empty spot that he imagines will never be filled, it is this very place, the angel says, that he has come to do something about. He and his wife are going to have a child. And not only are they going to have a child, but this child will announce the coming Messiah. Now, this is the part of the encounter where I can imagine Zeremiah, Zechariah is wondering the same thing that you and I would be wondering, and that is, am I dreaming this? Am I going crazy here? Am I in like someone else's story? So we can understand the wonderment when he asks the angel, this being that he's not even sure really exists, he asks, well then how am I going to know? How am I going to know that God is going to do this amazing thing? And the angel says, this is how you'll know. You will be quiet. You will be quiet. And out of your quiet, out of your silence, you will see and hear. Out of your quiet, and out of your silence, you will see and hear. In the story of Jesus, the first message from heaven is, be quiet. Now, it's this point in the story where we know that something cosmic is happening because this angel is not Clarence the feel-good angel. This angel all of a sudden is bringing gravity to the story. This angel is one of those Bible angels that asks the impossible, turns the world upside down, terrifies us. Luke says Zechariah was terrified. And he tells a terrifying thing to Zechariah. You are going to be quiet. Now, if there's anything that you and I don't like to be told, it's to be quiet. When we were young, our parents told us to be quiet, and we didn't like it. When we were older, our teachers told us to be quiet, and we didn't like it. And now, at our age, when we are told to be quiet, we don't not only like it, but sometimes we're embarrassed by it, and sometimes we're How dare you tell me to be quiet? But God says, be quiet. If the story of Jesus is going to get started, you are going to have to be quiet. You know, not unlike the movie theater when they come on and say, before this movie is going to start, <laughs> you need to be quiet. You need to silence your cell phones, unwrap your lozenges, conclude your conversation because the story is about to begin. And doesn't the story of Jesus begin in you and in me when we stop talking? I suspect the holiest moments of our lives came when our mouths were shut. We weren't speaking. And we heard God somehow speak. In John's great revelation, that last book of the Bible, we find in that book this wonderful dramatic moment where the Lamb opens the seven seals of revelation. You may remember this. 
the seven seals that reveal the word of God to his people. And as the seven seals are open, great and dramatic things happen. You know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse jump out and the saints of heaven are worshiping and the cosmos is collapsing. And then comes the seventh seal, the climatic seal, the seal that's going to tell it all. And when the Lamb opens the seventh seal, there is silence. And John says, out of the silence, he began to see. When we are silent, God has us to see and hear. As I stood and witnessed the birth of my child 28 years ago, what a shame if I had been on my cell phone or talking about the football game, or practicing my sermon. No, this demanded silence. When I step into a hospice room and join the circle of family hovered about the one they love, this is not a time to talk about the weather or to debate who we're going to vote for. Blah, blah, blah. This is a time to be quiet. On Christmas Eve at 10 a.m. in a few days, I've told you this before, I will find my way to a radio and to the live broadcast of the service of nine lessons and carols from the chapel at King's College in Cambridge, England. And I will wait with hushed expectation for that boy soprano, that boy soprano, to start the service by singing the first verse a cappella of Once in Royal David City. And for that to mean anything at all, there is to be silence. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. So sometimes the story of Jesus won't get started until we're quiet. And the truth is it may be the hardest thing the Advent angel asks us to do to be quiet. It's one of the great risks, right, when God took up our creation, that he created us to be in his image, which was to mean that we would be a conversation partner with God. No other creation, no other part of creation is a conversation partner with God. And the great risk that God takes when he creates us is that we might be tempted to hog the conversation. Have you ever talked with someone who hogged the conversation? Who wouldn't let you get a word in edgewise? And weren't you tempted to say, And so it makes all the sense in the world for the story of our redemption, for the story of our salvation, for the story of our reconciliation to God to begin with the angel of the Lord stepping into the room and saying, shh, let all mortal flesh keep silence. Shh, God is about to do a new thing. Shh. Let's let God get in a word edgewise. And there's still time, right? Still four days left to Christmas. And that's just until Christmas. There's still years and decades left for your life. There's still time to be quiet. 
There's still time to hit the off button on the remote control. There's still time to put down the newspaper. There's still time to silence your cell phone. There's still time to just plain hush. And if the thought of that terrifies you, be not afraid, for it is the Advent Angel. And we may have found ourselves in the Zechariah story, and the silence means that the Jesus story is about to begin. Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.